0: It's a helpful thing to be able to have our friends and family and future generations be able to hear and experience. It's not the same as in person, but you still get a sense, a flavor of that.
1: Since the dawn of time, we've shared stories. They remind us of who we were, who we are, and who we wish to be. Through story, our ancestors speak to us, passing on wisdom and truth from the past. And stories prepare us for the future. If only we listen. Welcome to episode four of Listen. My name is Daniel Foytek, and I love a good story. To our returning listeners, thanks for coming back to hear more stories. And hello to all the new listeners. This podcast is called Listen, and it's about one of my favorite activities, and probably one of yours if you're here, listening to great stories. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's
1: office. that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Group void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Today is a special episode for Mother's Day. And as such, I'm going to dedicate this to two of the folks that really influenced my love of story and storytelling, that being my mom, Linda, and my grandmother, Mary. And my mom used to read to me all the time when I was little. She used to encourage my love of story and storytelling, encouraged me to read and learn as I was growing up. And uh my grandmother, Mary, was a fantastic storyteller in her own right. She used to tell me stories at bedtime about growing up on her farm in Indiana, and it was always exciting. It was always new. There was always something interesting going on, and it was a great way for me to experience something that I had never experienced before. Growing up in the city, I learned what it was like to live on a farm and, and live outdoors, and it really Encouraged me to pursue that and to want to go out into nature and to see a real farm and to see what things are like and to grow things and really to love story. So to both of those ladies, thank you very much for what you did for me and for passing on the love of story. And of course, to all you moms out there, happy Mother's Day. Today's teller is Jim May, and this is a fantastic story dedicated to his mom, Agnes. It's called Agnes from Nippersink Creek. It was recorded live at the 2015 Three Rivers Storytelling Festival. You can find more information about that festival at www.3rstf.org. If you are in the Pittsburgh area, I do encourage you to go over to their website and take a look at the information for the upcoming 2016 festival, which will be occurring this August. If you're not in Pittsburgh, seek out story and storytelling festivals in your area. There's bound to be one. If you like the story that you hear today, you can find Jim's work over at JimMayStoryTeller.com. There's some video on there of him telling stories. You can also pick up his book, The Boo Baby Girl Meets the Ghost of Mabel's Gable, The Farm on Nippersink Creek, Stories from a Midwestern Childhood. I really encourage you to head on over to his website and check out what he has to offer. There's a ton of stuff over there, some really great stories and storytelling. Jim is an amazing storyteller and really passes along a lot of wisdom and knowledge through his stories. So without further ado, I'm going to get out of the way and let Jim tell you a story about Agnes.
0: It was February 8th, my mother's 88th birthday, and I went to visit her at the Hillcrest Nursing Home, just north of Spring Grove, across the Wisconsin state line, where she was living, and I had brought her a a birthday card, and my mom always loved these, what she called boughten cards. And she would open them with a big smile and great enthusiasm, and she would read them out loud as if uh, they were written just for her and reflected the exact truth of her own experience. And this one was no exception. She got a big smile, oh, thank you, and she ripped it open, and she began to read. It said, a mother is... Then he opened it up and listed all the things, you know, the miracle of birth, the long vigils uh, alongside of a, a sick child's bed, uh, holding that newborn baby. Mom always said there's nothing sweeter than a newborn baby. And she got to the end of it and she says, Well, I don't need a card to tell me what a mother is. I had five children. Now that would be considered a big family nowadays. And she kind of laughed and put the card down. And then she looked out the window. It had just snowed. It was February. And, and the white snow was on the black oak trees, sticky And she said... We used to get big snows like this in Spring Grove uh, when I was a girl. Your Uncle Paul and I, we'd run out to Main Street in the big snows, and we'd watch the, the farmers bringing the bobsleds along, taking their milk to the creamery because in the deep snow, you couldn't get through with the, with the, with the Model A or, 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 the, or the tractor. You had to get the team of horses going. And uh, your, your Uncle Paul and I, we'd jump on the back of the runners, and we'd ride all the way to the, to the creamery, and then we'd jump another bobsled on the way back. It was really something, those snows. She had a big smile on her face I reminded mom that when I was uh, a boy in that same town spring grove we would stand up by the by the intersection by grandpa's store uh, by then it was uncle uh, charlie and aunt eva's store we'd wait for the sta- cars to stop at the stop sign then we'd run behind the cars and we'd grab onto the bumpers and we'd hang on and we'd skid along behind the cars we call the flipping cars smile dropped off her face She's still mad at me for flipping those cars. Well, she said, you get hurt flipping cars, she said. There wasn't as much to be afraid of when I was a girl. I suppose she has a point there. I mean, you think about it, her generation had seen uh, so much technological change. When I first first told this story, my mother being born in 1906, and I I couldn't imagine any generation has seen so much technical change, but now, as I'm telling the story, same thing with us. You know, Skype, iPhone, on and on and on. But then uh, she, she said, there's not so much to be afraid of anymore, and, and, uh, and things are just changing too fast. And I suppose that's true. In fact, my mother used to tell a story about her elders. Martha Bowman lived up on English Prairie north of Spring Grove. And Martha had a little egg business with my grandpa down at the store. Martha learned to drive her Model T uh, when she was 81 years old. And she would load up the eggs uh, in the Model T and she'd head out, low gear, low throttle, out to the gravel driveway. Then she would turn onto the gravel road heading south to my grandpa's general store. She was so careful and afraid about driving, she would not even take up half of her. Uh, half of the road she would get the front uh, driver's side wheel lined up in in about the middle of her half of the road so that the other front wheel was on the shoulder uh, just a little bit uh, this side of the shoulder brake and she would go down low gear low throttle slow as she could she saw dust boiling up and a car coming this one she would pull off the road completely she'd go over the shoulder brake and she'd stop and she'd wait till that car passed when the car passed, she would give him the farmer's wave and then she would ease back on all the way down to my grandpa's store. She'd stop right there by the store, still heading south. She'd take the eggs in. Uh, Grandpa would barter so much eggs, you know, uh, for groceries. And then um, uh, mom and and grandma would candle the eggs in the back to make sure they didn't didn't have blood spots or or, uh, baby chicks. And then she would bring the groceries out, and she would ask my grandpa to carry the groceries out. Grandpa would carry the groceries out, and grandpa would put them in the car. And then, according to legend, she would say, Now, Mr. Weber, would you please turn my car around for me? And Grandpa would turn the car around, heading north, and there she'd be, half of her, half of the road, you know, going down the road. Technology. Well, we had a, a story, uh, or I have a story that I tell about my mom and technology. See, my mom um, uh, never quite adjusted to my answering machine. Uh, she was already in her 70s when I began telling stories. And uh, I lived in an apartment of five or six miles away, so I got an answering machine uh, and, a, and a business address in town, a post office box, and I had my uh, rural post office post box out in front. I figured that, that business address would be good, you know, if I changed address, I would always have a same business address, or if I couldn't pay the rent, I would at least have a mailbox, I could kind of live out of that mailbox. And uh, so I was pretty proud when I got all those things. I had, a, I had that rural box in front of my house, I had that post office box, I had the answer machine, I figured every day I had three chances to get good news, uh mainly some work. So I remember coming in from that first day of running errands and going down now, uh, have little cards made and brochures and, and uh uh who, those brochures back then they those days we always we had to be cool, you know. They're always like you know, like that or, or like <laughs> anyways. I came home from the printer and by gosh. There was that little red light on the answer machine. I thought, oh, boy, here it is. Here's a job coming in. Yes, sir, it's going to be all right. Going to be able to pay the rent and and buy groceries and all that stuff. Uh, This is a good story for you in your life right now. So uh, I rewind the tape on the new uh, sparkly answer machine and it was just a short message, well, you know, just uh, one job, and you know, the, uh, the old Chinese saying, the journey of a thousand miles starts with that first step, so one job is the first step, so then I put it on play, and I heard, uh, a not, not a job, but my mother's voice saying, this is your mother, Click! Well, I I figure, well, you know, she got the answering machine, and uh, she's a no-nonsense German farm woman, hard-working. She wasn't going to have a little chit-chat with an answering machine, so I thought, well, I should call Mom, you know. But, you know, I was busy. It was a busy time in my life. I'm doing this and that thing, and and I forgot. I forgot to call her. So I was out... um, uh, the next day, doing errands and doing this and that, and and uh, it, was, it was kind of, it was, it was unfortunate because in the beginning of the business, you have to sort of spend a lot of money without any money coming in, you know, so I'm getting a new shirt and a, a couple more brochures, and I come back, and by gosh, there's that that answer machine, that red light going. Well, said, here, here it's coming in, you know, my ship's coming in, and uh, I played it, and it was a little bit longer. Zzz! I thought, well, it's, it's going to be a job for sure this time, you know, and I play it, and uh, was my mother's voice? My mother's voice, and she said, "This is your mother, Agnes May." Click. <laughs> now there was enough stridency in her voice that I realized something was the matter. Now maybe I had missed a family gathering. Maybe the lawn was getting long. She uh, had to mow the grass, or missed some kind of party. So I thought, I'm going to go there tomorrow. I'm going to straighten out face to face. Not going to depend on this machine. Uh, the next day, I never got the chance. I came in fairly early in the morning. I had been out jogging. I used to jog a lot in those days because uh, you know I could get out there and, and go out jogging and get the uh, endorphins going and come back, you know, and, and feel pretty good uh, about being unemployed. <laughs> and sure enough, there was that red light going again, and. Mzzz- it was a longer message. Well, here we go. This is going to be just fine. I know it's going to work this time. I played the message. It was, this is your mother, Agnes May, U-S-O-B. Click. <laughs> Only my mom did not use the letters, the abbreviations. She used the the full uh, juicy words themselves. Now, that my first response, my first thought was, there was something ironic about my mother calling me this I don't think she quite thought that through but there was enough, you know, in the, in the tone of her voice, I realized I've got to get this thing curve right. This, this is going from bad to worse in a hurry. So I called her right then. I dialed her number and I called her and she says, Hello. So this is Jim. Oh, hi, Jim. You know, she seemed fine. She said, I haven't heard from you in a while. I said, Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I've been really busy. I'm getting, getting organized for this new business and, you know, I'm starting this new business. I'm going to become a storyteller. She says, you, You're a storyteller? What, what about your teaching job? I said, Well, I think we've been over this, Mom. And we had. Uh, I, I left my teaching job. I have a leave of absence. I'm not going to teach anymore. Uh, i'm gonna be a storyteller and she said oh my god who would have thought of it well i said actually a lot of people are thinking about it and a few of us are actually doing it i'm gonna try to make a living as a storyteller There was a long pause and she said well that's okay there's nothing wrong with being poor <clears throat> i know mom you always told us that we were we were poor but we were always clean i say no mom uh I, I i'm i'm clean i'm clean right now and i don't know if i'm poor yet you were, we were so poor that wasn't for the chickens we would have starved to death I said, okay, Mom, but I don't want to hear about that right now. I I was noticing a distinct lack of chickens in my upstairs apartment where I was living at the time. I said, Mom, I I don't want to talk about the chickens or poverty or any of that right now. Um, what, what, What I'd like to know, Mom, is why have you been calling me and swearing at me on my answering machine? There was an even longer pause, and she said, what answering machine? Then it occurred to me what would have happened. Must have happened. She would dial my name, uh, my number. She would hear me on the tape, my voice, the voice of the child she brought into this world saying, Hi, this is Jim. She'd say, This is Agnes May. Um, I-, I can't talk to you right now. This is your mother. And I'll call you back at my earliest convenience. Why are you SOB? Click. <laughs> can't really blame her, right? said, no, Mom, no. That's not at all. See, it's just a machine with a tape recording on it. Remember at the Christmas party, uh, uh, one of the kids brought that little tape recorder and we were going around taping it and we were listening to each other and laughing. It's like that. It only is in the machine. And and uh, uh, When you call, and I'm not here because I've got to be out working, making a living, uh, the machine knows that, knows you've called. It sets itself off. So it begins the tape. Isn't that smart? And then it records what you say. And then when you stop talking, it shuts itself off, rewinds the tape, sets it for a new person calling in. When I get home, i re- rewind it, listen to all your messages, my messages. hear you, I call you back. Isn't that a wonderful machine, Mom? Another long pause, and she said, am I talking to that damn machine now? (laughs) Well, after that, we always try to do our business, you know, face-to-face. But technology, you know, technology did begin to catch up with my mom. Uh, Socrates allegedly said that technology would become the death of memory, You know how you feel when your computers crash and all your notes and contacts are gone. And uh, technology did kind of start ganging up on my mom. The first thing to go was the propane cook stove. Uh, You know, it had those dials, and she would try to turn them on and off, had a pilot light. And sometimes she would just uh, not quite turn it all the way off. And the drafty frame house, the wind would blow out the pilot, and you, you, you would smell the leaking uh, propane gas. And uh, Mom often did not know what it was. She, she would think it was a dead mouse. And she started cleaning all over looking for that dead mouse. And, and that, uh, She hated mice. All those years in those little farmhouses probably. Um, in fact, that was the reason why she was such a good cusser, I think. Um, uh, when she would cuss, she would cuss such a blue streak, my dad would sometimes take us aside as kids and say, your mother doesn't mean to talk like that. And she, he would always tell the same story. She, she was the oldest in the family, and, and her mother died at the age of 49, and your, your, your mother was 16, and she had to take care of your Uncle Paul and Aunt Eva and, and, your, and your grandpa, and there wasn't anyone there to supervise her language. We thought it was kind of sweet that our dad had to make excuses for our mother's potty mouth. In researching my book, The Farm on Nipperson Creek, I came up with uh, the facts that, that they were tenant farmers and they would move about every three years you know, to a new farm because the landlord got upset or he wanted to rent it to somebody in his family or he raised the rent or, you know, there's always some reason. And uh, uh, Now, can you imagine that moving a farm every three years, you know how, how much fun it is to move an apartment or a house? Well, you've got all of that when you're moving the farmhouse and the furniture and such. But you've also got uh, 40, 50 cows, uh, 300 chickens, uh, 80 ducks, 6 goats, 4 horses, all the feed for those animals, all the farm equipment, uh, uh, yet to a new place. Uh, that was usually kind of a run-down farmhouse, that's the kind we usually had. And my mother would take after that, sometimes Aunt Neva would come, and she, they, would, they would wallpaper and repaint every single surface. And in two weeks, that old run-down farmhouse would just sparkle. And the neighbors would come and say, they couldn't believe this old place looked so good. So I think it might have been all that moving and all those farmhouses that my mother had to clean up, that might have been what made her such a good cusser. But Dad never owned up to it. He just said there was no one there to supervise her language. Well, you know, she'd cuss and start looking for that dead mouse. You know, she'd clean it up and find it. Um, uh, but it wasn't a dead mouse. It was the gas. And, and one of the neighbors would come, and one of us would tell the kids, and we'd smell that that propane and just immediately, you know, throw the windows open and air everything out and turn everything off. It was pretty frightening. Uh, then she started um, becoming disoriented. Uh, she would... Uh, um, Go to Mass. She went to Mass almost every day, two doors over, uh, St. Peter's Catholic Church. And uh, Father Plisa called us one time, a wonderful uh, parish priest, had been priest for years. And he noticed that Mom was just getting up and walking right out the middle of the aisle, uh, out of the church like Mass was over but but at a time in the Mass that, that a devout Catholic uh, would never leave, and she had been a devout Catholic all her life. She was very proud of that. Father Crook, another assistant priest, said that her and my Aunt Eva were pillars of the church in Spring Grove, and she was so proud of that. So Father was concerned. In fact, one day after Mass, he, he walked around, two doors over, w- walked, over to Mom's house, because um, he was concerned about where she had gone, came to the back door. Um, uh, f- friends and relatives always came to the back door. The front door was for salesmen and Jehovah Witnesses. Came to the back door and knocked, and Mom came to the door and said, Oh, hi, Father, how are you? Well, I'm fine, this?" he said, but I just wanted to stop by and say hello and make sure you made it home all right from, from church. And she kind of dropped her smile and said, Oh, well, thank you, Father, but, but I've been here all morning. And then she invited him in for some of her famous egg coffee and uh, cinnamon rolls. And I think he chatted and left thinking he had done the best he could, and he gave us a call. She became uh, lost sometimes going up to the store. It was only a block up to uh, her sister's store uh, where, where she used to uh, help Grandpa run the store years and years before that. And there's one on North South Street and one East West Street. And uh, she would come out of the store, and she would take that, that, that wrong street. There's only two streets, and she'd take the wrong one. And she'd go around the big block, and it would be about three times as Long a walk to get home, and that was a particularly difficult during the wintertime. A couple times neighbors had stopped her uh, when, when it was snowing to give her a ride and make sure she got home all right. Uh, so it finally came that it was time for her uh, to sell her house uh, there on Main Street and, and move uh, to a nursing home. The only property she ever owned with my dad. Uh, they bought that little house on contract on Main Street after they quit farming. Farming was getting too hard for him. And I remember the day that we had the closing of the house. Uh, my brothers and sisters, or my sisters and I, sat around the table, and Mom was there. And, and she was actually had the pen in her hand, and she was about, about to sign uh, the closing document, the transference of the title. And uh, she kind of looked up at us, and she dropped the pen, and she began uh, to cry. And she kind of, a couple times, and said, Why am I selling the house again? I can't imagine what the reasons could be. And we went around the table and we told her the reasons. You know, uh, we, 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 we hoped there were reasons enough. We hoped we were doing the right thing. We said, well, Mom, you know, um, um, uh, the doctor is very concerned about your health and, and uh, uh, you, you sometimes get lost coming back from the store in the post office. And uh, in the winter, that, that's very dangerous. And a uh, father wonders where you go. Sometimes you leave church in the middle of, of, of the service. And, and that propane, you know, that, that propane uh, stove, that propane is a very volatile gas. It's very dangerous. And um, the doctor said this last episode, where your electrolytes just got all out of balance, he said you almost died, Mom. And, and the doctor thinks you should have somebody always with you. You, you should have nursing care 24 uh, 7. And she listened to us, you know, fairly intently. And then, which was typical of her, to see the humor in something, she got this big smile on her face, and she said, Oh, hell, I might blow up the house if I'm not getting lost in Spring Grove. And then she began to laugh, because even she realized that blowing up the house was more serious than getting lost in Spring Grove. So she uh, landed at um, the Hillcrest Nursing Home just up the road, just across the Wisconsin state line from where she had spent all her life. And we were blessed. She was very happy there. She got a lot of visitors. Uh, There were people who she went to grade school with, you know, living down the hall. It was very much of a hometown uh, nursing home. And uh, uh, she got along famously with her with her roommate, Evelyn, they became fast friends. They would fret if one was gone for more than several hours. In fact, Mom didn't like to be away from Hillcrest. You know, we'd kind of rise to the occasion and take her to a family gathering, and a wedding, or a birthday party. And after about three, two or three hours, she started looking at her watch and started asking uh, when she was going home to Hillcrest and who was going to take her. And she would ask that about every five minutes until even the most loyal relative or friend got a little bit insulted and a little bit uh, wondering why they had taken her her out in the first place, Mom didn't mean to hurt anyone's feelings. She just really couldn't remember from one minute to the next what she had heard or what she had spoken. Well, it was another February, uh, past her birthday. It was Valentine's Day, and I was up at Hillcrest again with two valentines—one for Mom and one for Evelyn. And uh, I walked into their room, and, and Mom and Evelyn were both, were both sitting at the at the uh, end of her bed. And, and they were talking, and uh, I walked in, and I gave them each a uh, valentine. And Mom, as usual, you, ripped that the card open, and she started reading her valentine out loud, and, and Evelyn, she ripped her card open and started reading her quietly because Agnes had, had uh, company. And uh, when Mom was done reading, she set hers down, and, and, and Evelyn set hers down. And I said, well, Mom, uh, what was your day like? I heard one of the nurses said, you had a Valentine's Day party. Yeah, yeah, we did. It was a party. Yeah, yeah. Evelyn said uh, it was a party. And, I, and the nurse said that there was dancing. Yeah, yeah, there was dancing, Mom. said. Evelyn said, yeah, Agnes danced. I said, really, you danced? Yeah, she said, I danced. I said, well, did you dance with a man? And Mom said, well, I hope so. I said, well, that's great, it's great. Yeah, it was good, it was good, yeah, yeah. Evelyn said, Agnes, she's quite a dancer. Yeah, Mom laughed. Yeah, well, Dad was a good dancer, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And then I said, you know, we keep the conversation going. I said, so um, how was supper? Oh, it was good. Yeah, Evelyn said supper was good. And Mom said, they they cook really good here. They have good food and good coffee, too. I said, well, that's good, you know. So what did you have? Mom looked at Evelyn. Evelyn looked at Mom. Mom looked out the window. It was dark. There was nothing to see out there. Evelyn uh, started taking her hand and started working uh, all the wrinkles uh, out of this afghan that was on her bed. It was one of the beautiful afghans that mom had made. She crocheted these beautiful afghans. Uh, when when, when each, uh, each of us got married, we got this beautiful afghan, tightly tightly crocheted. And then when the, grand, when the grandkids came, they each got an Af- the afghan. Beautiful, well done. Craftsmanship was wonderful. Uh, they'd get one uh, in pink or blue depending on the gender, you know, back when we color-coded our children. Um, and then when the great-grandkids uh, came, um, um, uh, they got uh, uh, little uh, not so tightly crocheted Afghans, and when the great great grandchildren, they got kind of little raggy looking th- things that uh, <laughs> that, that the showed love. Well, Evelyn was just working that Afghan just like it needed pressing, you know, like she had an iron in her hand, and and, and it did not need anything. She was just working it because she needed a place for her eyes because she was embarrassed to look at me embarrassed that she couldn't remember what they had had for supper and finally mom looked back from the window looked back at evelyn evelyn looked up at mom and mom smiled and said oh hell we don't know what it is we just eat it (laughs) and then mom noticed that there was a valentine laying there forgot that she had gotten a valentine, picked it up thinking she had had a second valentine, and began reading it aloud all over again. Evelyn noticed her valentine thinking she had got another valentine, a second one. She started reading hers again. Mom got finished reading hers before Evelyn did, set hers down. Evelyn set hers down, saw Mom, thinks, thought she got a third valentine, picked it up with a little bit of a yelp and said she was having a pretty good day all in all. Well, when we were done reading all the Valentines, (laughs) Ellen got back in her bed. I uh, kissed my mom on the cheek, gave her a pat. Uh, She was now in her bed, and I turned, and I walked to the door. And for some reason, I turned around, and there was my mom, and she was sitting there in the bed alone, and she looked small to me. And she looked good. Her hair was done. Um, The uh, beauty college practiced on them every Wednesday. Uh, she was, it was very curly. She looked a little bit too much like Madonna, I thought. But uh, she was sitting there and it occurred to me that uh, she was mostly alone because uh, her longevity and her toughness, in a way, uh, had uh, separated her from her generation uh, and her contemporaries. They're mostly gone. And I found myself back at the side of her bed, and I said, uh, Mom, is any, everything all right? Um, uh, do you need anything? Uh, can, I, can I do anything for you? She said, No, no, no. She said, I'm fine. She said, Everybody is real nice here, uh, and the food is good, and I don't have to work so hard anymore. I worked hard all my life. Here, all I have to do is make the bed. And I found myself driving home from Hillcrest that night, down Long blacktop roads piled high on each side with snow, thinking to myself, things were just about as good as they could be. And that story is called Agnes from Nipperson Creek. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thanks for tuning in for episode number four of Listen. What did you think? Let me know at feedback at ninthstory.com. This episode featured a story by Jim May, Agnes from Nippersink Creek. If you like more information on Jim and his work, please visit him online at jimmaystoryteller.com. Today's opening words were from Connie Reagan Blake of StoryWindow.com. Please share your love of story, share the show, and help us grow. The best support you can give us is to share the show and the episode with your friends, and you could also take a moment to leave us a rating and review in iTunes. That makes it easier for other folks to find the show. Follow us on Twitter, at Listen to Story. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash story listeners. You can also find us in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and now Google Play. Listen is dedicated to bringing you stories told by some of the best tellers in the world of storytelling. It's our hope that here you will rediscover your love of story every time you visit. All works performed in this audio recording and associated music and artwork are copyright of their respective creators and may not be used in any form without their permission. The story in this episode of Listen was performed by Jim May. The Listen theme is a selection from Better Start Walking and was written and performed by Robin Brown. For more information on Robin's work, visit RobinBrown.info. Closing music is also from Better Start Walking. Listen is a Ninth Story Studios production, NinthStory.com. Creator and producer, Daniel Foytek. That's me. Full show notes with links and info can be found at www.storylisteners.com forward slash four. This has been Daniel Foytek. Until next time, listen, tell, and share stories. And of course, happy Mother's Day.